in a world where every diet you know is wrong. Well, not every diet. I mean... Yes, but almost every doesn't sound as good. Yeah, but... Shut up. One man stands alone. Well, not completely. I mean... It's time for Adam Martin, the No Breakfast Guy. And let's talk fast. Fasting, fitness, and fat loss. <laughs> All right, guys, we are rolling and we're in another podcast this week. And um, I'm going to start doing more of these because, um, one, I am an exercise physiologist myself and I think I should be doing more to uh, promote my industry. So I want to talk more about uh, or talk more, more with other exercise physiologists and talk about obviously their areas of it, speciality and kind of introduce the, I guess, the profession that we are and what we can do and how we can help the uh, greater community. So I've got a colleague, a friend and someone I highly respect in the industry. Josh, welcome to the show. And uh, how you been? Thanks, Adam. Um, good. Uh, as good as you can go in this time. But um, yeah, just rolling with the punches, focus on what we can control. And um, yeah, great, grateful to still have a job and, and still be uh, still be seeing a few people. Well, that's it. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, we were, we were talking uh, a week ago and I kind of reached out to you and said, you know, you want to jump on my podcast? Uh, you know, what do you want to talk about? Uh, men's health? Do you want to talk about exercise in the workplace? You know, whatever it might be. And I think you went straight to kind of, uh, I guess, you know, having a healthy relationship with exercise and talking about mental health and kind of, you know, your kind of, I guess, own kind of, I guess, exercise and relationship with it and things like that. And I thought, you know, what greater time, and this was before our stage four Metro kind of uh, lockdown was, what a better time than kind of be talking about mental health because I'm sure there's some people out there, whether you're an exercise professional or just an ordinary um, day-to-day person, um, going to be struggling with some mental health stuff. So I think, um, I think it's a great time to start talking about those kind of topics. Yeah, and, and there, was a, there was a heap of topics that jumped out that are, that are passion areas for me, but at the moment, I think that's something that's, that's really shunned through in terms of a lot of my client load is experiencing those, those challenges with mental health. And, um, and then even some, some people that you, you might not necessarily think, but once you sit down and, and create that, I guess, empathetic and no judgmental environment, and um, you, you're spending a lot of time with these people, they really do open up to you. And, and um, a lot of what you see on the outside is not necessarily what someone's going through. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's, um, it's, a, it's a big thing at the moment. I think it's a big thing all the time, but especially at the moment with all the pressures. Um, yeah, I, I'm seeing quite a, a varied... Um, I guess, profile or presentation with, with people's mental health. Um, I, I don't know if you watch much of his um, or he, listen to much of his podcast, but um, Joe Rogan's podcast, um, his guest that he had on this week is a really interesting character. And um, his name's David Choey, Chewy. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but he's a world-renowned artist, um, but he's had a couple of very controversial moments in his career that have sent him off the rails because he's had his show um, kind of cancelled and then he lost this contract and that contract and he's he's got some incredible stories but he's a guy that for lack of a better word is completely broken both mentally physically spiritually however you want to put it and he's very open and honest and raw in this one and he talks about some seriously dark stuff um, in this particular podcast but he talks about and Joe kind of reiterates is that people these days for whatever case it might be are very afraid to be open and very afraid to kind of be themselves for fear of be that judgment from others or comparing themselves to others. And, um, and he says, while I might sound broken, I'm very disturbed and things like this. I am me and I'm happy to share that. And I think there's a power within that. And I think it's an incredible kind of ability to be able to just lay it all out there. And I like to try and be as open as I can, but I'm still a, you know, a, a bit of a closed book at different times and I, I'm getting better at kind of opening up that. But to what you were saying before, you know, with your caseload and things like that, has this kind of shift into kind of this lockdown had people open up more to you, less to you? Is it about the same? Like how have you kind of experienced that on a kind of client basis? And then I guess to the your friends and circle around you. Um, yeah, good question. Uh, good question. I'm not, Sorry, two seconds. Just turning my own notifications <laughs> off. Um, I, di- I didn't listen to the podcast. I'm going to be. I'm going to have a look at it though. That sounds really interesting, especially a guy that's broken to get on the uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. I think it's quite quite interesting. Um, and, and he's a guy that really does create that that uh, you know non judgmental, um, empathetic, um, and curious. I, I think that that um, when you've got that curious curious uh, environment that, that people are looking at things with with um, not judgment and condemning people, and um, Joe definitely facilitates that. But 
Um, your question around has it has it spiked? I, th I think that people are just as open as what they've ever been for me personally. Um, but there's probably more coming to the surface around those those mental health issues. And, and so, the change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys obviously in the regional parts of uh, Victoria now going to kind of stage three. Does that kind of change you and your day to day with your business much, or are you kind of still able to operate pretty much as you have been? Um, pretty much as we have been with with all the um, the safety precautions and 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 taking all the measures there. I think the big thing is getting used to the mask and and really. I just feel like there's a real loss of human connection and touch point with with not seeing someone's face and and even like there's times when I'm smiling underneath my mask and and normally that would really flow into some some good positive reactions and 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 flowing conversation. You just feel that conversation just stop suddenly and it's like you have to almost remind them that you are smiling underneath. So that's um that's been my my day one with with the mask in uh, its entirety today and that was um yeah it 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 showed its showed its challenges and just if if you ever felt distant with somebody you are you're taking even more connection away without without showing your face it's interesting you bring that up because obviously we've been wearing masks two three weeks now kind of thing but i actually had a complete stranger i was walking down the road with my dog and my girls um i don't know it was about a week ago or so and she was walking towards us and you know you kind of give that sense to everyone of like a trying to a nod or a smile or you know i'm here you know we're here yep. we're connecting here kind of thing but this for the first time this has happened but she's like I'm just letting you know I am smiling underneath. Like she yeah. had to make like the verbal kind of kind of commitment to us That's... to say, I'm smiling at you. Like, I don't want you to think I'm not kind of thing. And I'm like, that was strange because she was a complete stranger. She didn't need to kind of go there. And whether she did or not, didn't really bother me. But the fact that she went to that level of, I want to let you know, I, I just thought it was quite, quite different, a different experience. And like, we're experiencing new things every day. It's quite, quite unique. I think that person's really wanting connection. And, and I've mentioned to my, um, to my wife here this morning or last night, I was getting my clothes out. I'm like, should I wear some bright coloured socks with some shorts just to let people know that you know it's okay? And and, uh, and I do have quite a diverse caseload with uh, with many with um with intellectual disabilities and um and and just something that that um I kind of breaks a barrier. And I guess that lady's in that stranger is, is reaching out to you and saying that is is breaking that barrier down for you, which is, which is what she probably wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. And you so just got to find other ways. And I'm not too sure how you're going with it in terms of um. Yeah, with with that connection, but you guys are you guys aren't aren't doing much at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess I'm going to say two years ago, or even even longer ago, I started making a shift to like I kind of saw before. I mean, obviously, well before this global pandemic kind of came through, but I kind of saw a, a bit of some writing on the wall, and I, I go by the kind of comment that Gary V says in that put yourself out of business, don't let someone else put you out of business. And I have a I had a strong feeling a couple of years ago that people continually to this day still use the time as an excuse. I can't get to you. I don't have time. It takes too much time, whatever it kind of might be, whether that's legitimate or not to that person it is. And so I kind of started thinking well, me kind of setting up Bob to see me at 6am before he goes to work. And then I've got Susie who comes to see me at seven. Like those people are going to, at some point I feel start to use the excuse of time even more as we kind of get more and more time crunched as we move forward. So I thought I'm going to move more into an online space and offer up the, I guess the freedom of being able to see me in quote as kind of freely as I would like to, whether that's through email, whether that's through video FaceTime stuff. So I've been doing a lot of this kind of FaceTime zoom call, not zoom. I didn't even know this existed until this kind of thing, but like these kind of interactions for quite some time with clients, both, you know, locally, but also internationally. And that's been another good thing. I've been able to open up markets. So I never thought existed that I can now talk and liaise with people in America, in UK, in Africa, or whatever it might be. Um, so it's not as much of a jump when we were kind of told you can't see people face to face. Um, yep. And a lot of my clients who I've been seeing in the gym where I operate, I said, hey, let's just move to a Zoom. They were a bit hesitant at the beginning. It was like, oh, am I going to be able to get as much value out of it? Like, I don't know about this. Like, I don't know about my space in my home. I don't know if I want you to see inside my home because you're like, that's me and I'm here. That you know, All those different things. But once those kind of initial kind of barriers were broken down, it's I've found not a whole lot of difference to kind of the service I can deliver. And I've always said that I think, and this, this is not allowing us to, as a profession, kind of the greatest compliment I can give us, but... I sit there and say, sometimes I'm a glorified counter. Like basically you come, 
I say, let's do 10 reps and I count those 10 reps for you. That's not what someone's coming to see me for. Most of what they're coming to see me for is the interaction we have, the talking we have. And whether that talking is just they had a shitty day with their, their partner or their boss and they want to kind of air that out or they're having issues with their mental health or they're having issues with their, their injury or whatever it kind of might be. It's rarely the exercise part because there's only so many exercises we can kind of give. And at the end of the day, how you deliver that and how you talk that or how you kind of convey that and, you know, kind of do that to that individual, I think is where the real art of being a really good practitioner kind of comes in. And so I feel I can do that through a screen, whether I'm face to face with you standing or we're doing it as a screen. There's definitely, I think, a loss of that human connection doing it through a screen as opposed to being there and being out, as you said, read cues in people. You know, it's just harder to do through a screen, but this is what we've got to do. So you've got to kind of make do. Yeah, and I agree. It's not really that much of a, a jump for, for those guys that have been dabbling and doing online for that, that time. And that's an easier, easier, easier step forward. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Like there is so many, only so many exercises you can do and, and it's, it's quite easy to Google them or YouTube and, and, and have a million resources. It's, and I see the job as, as more in that nuance and um, in, in, the, in the questions you do ask or don't ask and, and you're listening in skills and those soft skills um, and communication skills that really, that really make you have that, that human inter, uh, connection. Um, yeah, so I would 100% agree with that. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of times it's just squats, you know, a hinge action, a step-up lunge, push-pull, upper limb. It's, um, it's it, and really, as an exercise physiologist, my opinion is you're trying to simplify it as much as possible. It's like you don't want this to be complex. You don't want the client to be thinking, I've got to think of six different things to be able to, to do a squat. Um, yeah, so, so I, would, I would agree with that. And um, you, you can still get that online, and we've got that. And I'm doing some online consulting with um with some of my guys as well so oh, i agree with with it, almost everything you've said there have you have you done any online stuff to this point yet and kind of how, how have you felt with you know your clients how have they uptake um you know taken on with it i think the biggest thing is just admitting that it's not going to be the same and um and, and then once you once you kind of admit like this is this is what the negative is it's like you you lower and drop all those barriers or resistance that that person initially may have it's like, you know, once you go connected up with the tech and you've, you know, you've done that trial Zoom call or whatever it might be and said, it's, it's not going to be the same. It is a bit different, but, but bear with me. You'll, you'll see them, them, them jump on board as opposed to looking at what's, you know, what's wrong with this and, and what can't we do? And, it, you know, this isn't the normal. Um, as soon as you admit that and flag that hey, this isn't going to be the same, you'll get that uptake and we've, um, yeah, we've, we've had better situations where people aren't commuting and they able to come into the gym being real Vic and, um, you know, that's, it's not possible or it's, it's dangerous for some people to, you know, that are immunocompromised. Um, and, and it's, it's a nice looking at people's houses. And um, <laughs> I know we kind of mentioned it before, but you start to see their dogs or you see their artwork and I'm, you know, I'm referring to one particular client in particular, but um, it's, it's nice. You've, you've sometimes got this idea in your head, what their social history is like and what their life's like. But when you, you go to visit their house, I'm doing a lot of home visits, you know, where we exercise in people's backyards with, you know, with certain clients and um, it, it, you can actually start to get more value and you've got more exercise scope because you're stepping outside of, you know, your confines of, of just, just the facility that you normally work at. And um, yeah, and it gives people more, I guess, exercise repertoire that they can then go off and do themselves. Yeah, and it builds towards that independence as opposed to dependence on that, that gym facility. Yeah, too true. And I, I've All been saying, pop up, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've, I've been saying for a while that I kind of wanted to make the jump to doing online coaching whatever that kind of is and how that iterates um for me uh, for quite some time um and get away from actually being face to face just didn't have the balls to do it like uh, i don't know would i fail at this would i not be able to do it i don't know like i've got half my foot in i'll take half my foot out kind of thing but you know i've got now two girls i've got a fan like all those different things that we don't want to kind of you know compromise or kind of put at risk at all um but this obviously has been a situation that's forced it. You have to make it do. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Now, I say that with, you know, the biggest air of trepidation because I know there's a lot of people hurting now. There's a lot of people that are going through some really tough times. I'm very grateful. I still have a job. Clients that are still coming to see me. I got money in the bank and I can feed and put a house over, you know, over our heads. So that's fine. Um, but for me, this has been the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it forced me to do something I've been wanting to do but just didn't have the guts to go and do and now here we are i had to do it had to make it work or else 
I can't support my family. So let's kind of make this work. And so um, I've enjoyed it. And to your, to your point as well, it's, it's made me, I think, a better practitioner because I've, I've had the gym, my surroundings that I've been in for 15 years now. I know every piece, like you come to me with a knee reconstruction, like, yeah, cool. This is how we're going to, like, I could reel it off even in my sleep. Like, it's just not even a challenge anymore. And so this has given me a challenge. Someone comes to me now with that knee reconstruction and I'm now down on the beach at 6 a.m. in the morning. It's pitch black, it's freezing cold and all I've got is some TheraBands. Like, how do I help that person? Okay, well, I'm going to really have to think outside the box here to kind of still give that person a valuable service. And I think it's making me a better practitioner and kind of help me move forward from there. It's also creative what you can use as weights. Like I've used, you know, you said the knee replacement patient. I remember going to a knee replacement patient's backyard and a long-time client and a bit of a friend as well. But, you know, we were using buckets and pot plants and, you know, she had an inclined heel that we were, you know, we were re-educating her gait training on, on how to get up and down that hill. And, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's different, but, but there's these things there that you can do squats and, and deadlifts and arabesques and step ups. It's just a matter of, you know, changing that up a little bit. And I think that that's probably what a lot of people are finding. If, if exercise is really crucial to you at this stage and you can't access your gym and you can't get out of the house and it's like, there is ways that you can do this if it is, if it is truly important to you, um, you know, provided you, you're exercising for those right reasons. Absolutely. And I think that leads really well into kind of what, I think we should dive deep into today and kind of, I guess, people's relationship with exercise. I think in the very beginning of this kind of happening to us all in March, I think a lot of people, myself included, said, look, this is going to be an inconvenience for a month or two. Let's just take some time off exercise. I'll take it really easy and I'll see you back in April and we'll just kind of kick things off again. And I think a lot of people took that kind of thought process and like, yeah, cool, I'll take some time off exercise. The gym will be open soon again kind of thing. And now we're, you know, many months into it and there's probably many months to go okay cool i can't just keep doing nothing for the next six months or year or however long this is and so kind of to that point one how have you kind of adapted yourself with your own kind of uh exercise um and i know we were both talking about our kind of exercise every day and i'd love to share both of our stories um with regards to that but for two kind of did you find that people kind of did just take a back step um, from their exercise and now they're realizing no hang on okay i've got to make it work so and then how does that flow into kind of what i want to tie this all in together is kind of exercise and mental health and how it both the positives and negatives to kind of that um question so sorry there's about 14 questions in one yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which one do you want to jump in first <laughs> but, but yeah i guess that's yeah, right. your own kind of experience yourself and let's kind of just dive into that and then we'll kind of talk on kind of i guess the greater community so exercise for me personally and, and yeah so um i actually don't enjoy resistance training at all and i know that one day i'll have to do it but you know until i get to maybe i'm i'm, I'm planning and toying around with the, the age of 40 so <laughs> i've got another eight years i reckon i will i'll outsource it i'm gonna go see someone and, and pay them and, and go because it's i need that accountability and i need that booked in session to be able to, to go and attend or um to outsource that accountability but for me i, I love i love tri triathlons i love the feeling it gets um that i get in doing events so that's one thing myself that i, that I really struggle with um, not having an event booked. And I think that really locks me in. It, you know, it locks in a bit of a family holiday. I paid for it. I start telling people we book accommodation and raise that expectation to exercise. And um, I've done running events and, and triathlons recreationally, that is. So not, nothing that's, you know, great or anything like that. But um, so I ride and I run and, um, you know, I survived the swim as a, as a triathlete. <laughs> and, um, what, and I also use my Instagram profile as a bit of accountability. And, and, and that works for me. And, and I, you know, had this, um, habit of exercising every day and and just seeing how that would would grow and I went through some some patches in 2019 of, of streaking maybe 20 or 30 days in a row but 2020 I was like all right I'm gonna knuckle down and and and, and hit a few home runs and see if I can go the whole year with with exercising um, what did you that, sorry to interrupt you what did you at that kind of headspace what did you qualify as exercise to kind of get ticked off another day what was it kind of to you minute. Minimum 15 minutes. Yep. And that was, you know, it could be like I am now in my trackies and a, and a t-shirt and a jumper, just knocking off two, two and a half Ks in that time um, or jumping on the, uh, the the bike, which would be my lowest exercise Any, and anything up to oh, anything greater than that. But that, that could include anywhere between, I guess, a five to 20 K run or maybe one to two hours on the bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's what would qualify, and that's when I started. And um, I got I got through to to July, and and I think I even completed July. And um, yeah, so so for me, exercise helps me manage um, my own life, 
whether it's physical, emotional. And I reckon my life's probably about 1.3 to 1.4 times better on the days that I exercise. And that's one of the catalysts and, and drivers for me to exercise. Just a, a better person, more present, better dad, better ex-fizz. And um, I love it. And I get so much for it. And it just kind of enhances everything in my day to day and keeps me healthy. So that's kind of some of the motives around it. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I was like you. Um, I obviously, Anna was born our second daughter. She was born at, right at the end of November. Um, pretty much all of December, I did zero exercise because I was like, okay, cool. I just need to be there to support my wife as best as I can. It's coming into Christmas time. I'll ease back on some of the work. I won't go to work as much. And when I'm not working, I don't tend to exercise as much. I tend to find I, like it's that age old thing. The people who are the, the busiest tend to be the best planned kind of like I, that kind of mentality is like when you've got things to do, you tend to really dial them in. And I'm, I'm definitely like that when I'm working and I'm doing you know, a 15 hour day, I tend to find more time to do exercise in that than when I have nothing to do. I'm like, Oh, didn't have time to do exercise today. And I was like, hang on, I had 15 hours spare. But what did I actually do? Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it kind of was catalyst to kind of, for me, first of January is like, okay, I'm either usually in a black and white kind of person. I'm like all in or all out kind of mentality. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go all in. Um, I had this goal in my head originally of I was going to run a thousand kilometers for the year of 2020. And then my head works backwards and goes, okay, if I multiply that out, that basically averages out as three kilometers a day. So if I just did three kilometers every single day, I'll tick off a thousand Ks. And I know I'm going to run some days throughout that year longer than three K. So I'll easily tick this off. But then it molded into what happens if I did run a minimum of three kilometers every single day? Let's give that a crack. Like I've never done that before in my life. I only run a couple of days a week. That's always been my, my thing. I love my running. Um, all right, let's just go. And I thought a month, I'll run for a month every single day and then I'll just won't forget about it. But a month ticked by, I'm like, I can't stop this. I'm like I'm 30 days in and again, accountability on Instagram, same thing. Let's, let's keep this rolling. February came by, another month went. March came by, another one month went. But that was at about the time when obviously... COVID started yep. coming in um, and I then got sick. Yeah. yeah I, got, got sick or something. I then got pneumonia um, and yeah. I probably had pneumonia for about two weeks before I realized I was pretty unwell, but my head was hitting like, <laughs> no, no, you need to keep running. This was a, an everyday kind of thing. And I was at like day 87 and I'm like, I don't care if this kills me. I'm going to get to a hundred. Like I've got to tick. I'm not going to stop on 89 days. Kind of like it just, I can't fathom that kind of thing. And so I can't, I mean, I went and got tested um, for Coke because it was yeah. really early on. Um, and I was lucky enough to have a client that could get me into a GP. He tested me, he said, you don't have COVID, but I think you've got pneumonia. I'm, That's for old people. I, I'm a young fit dude. I don't get pneumonia. It's a cold. Don't worry about it kind of thing. Um, typical kind of male response usually, but 89, 90, 91, 92, every single day I came home for one of those runs and I kept them pretty short that time because I was, wrecked but um yeah. i'd come home and have a coughing fit for like 10 15 minutes i could not stop coughing chest was just hacking up like it was horrible day 100 though and amy's like you need it's to madness. go and get that yeah this is really bad like you're you're two weeks now of this cough it's not getting better you're not getting over it this coronavirus thing is around like like i, I want you to go back to the doctor i'm like Ugh, yeah all right Ticked off day 100, went back to the dock and said, like, I couldn't breathe by this point. And like, I had no energy. I was completely spent. And he's like, do you want me to kind of, you know, put a test out to see if you've actually got pneumonia here and I'll put you on some antibiotics and see if you kind of respond to them. I'm like, yeah, I think that's probably wise kind of thing. He goes, I need you just to take a rest from your running. Don't do anything, no exercise. And I'm like, I had this thing I was going to run every day. Don't you just, please just stop running, rest up. Da -da. He gave me one out. Long story short, I had pneumonia. It put, took me out for 10 weeks. Um, yeah, it's crazy, man. I was really unwell for a, probably from week three to kind of week six. Those three weeks were hell. Like, I've never felt so sick, never felt so tired to the point where I just, I couldn't get out of bed. And like, I've never been sick in my life. Like, I get a head cold or something like that. And two or three days later, you're fine. I've never really had a period of time where I've been really unwell. Um, but to your point, what you were just saying before and why I've kind of gone into this whole no, no, story is even though I felt like garbage, I felt so much better for having done the run. There was that kind of part of me that's like, I've ticked it off. I didn't, and that kind of like 
no excuses, just get it done, feel better for it kind of thing. And even though I felt terrible, I actually felt better. And that mentality of kind of sticking with it kind of thing. Um, the crazy, it's a crazy one. Uh, and, you know, because it, you're not listening to, and I kind of get it myself, but it's that black and white thinking. And, and um, like, I, I would pose to you, it's like, what would you tell your kid that was in the same situation? If she, you know, if one of your girls was 20 years old and, and doing the same thing at, at day 87, day 88, or tell a client, but you know, your kids normally work as a better example for that. And um, absolutely know, we're, we're tell them you're an Stop. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it's, I think sometimes we get caught up in that black and white thinking and, and that's not life. And, and I think that's where a lot of people live where it's whether we're either on the bandwagon or off or we're healthy or we're not healthy. And um, it's, it's um, yeah, I, I tell my clients, it's like turn off, a, off or on a light switch, but it's got a dimmer. And um like it's not always just off or on it's it's actually highly unlocking never those two things with with the way the life works and, and living in the gray and it's um you know you, you can dial it up and you can dial it down and um yeah yeah so uh, and i think that's one of the reasons why i stopped myself but yeah it's that's a crazy example your own <laughs> with just pushing through and um yeah just changing your own thought process like i have to get this done like kind of really suppressing those emotions and those feelings and and turn off your own you know body senses and just changing your mindset but actually being a highly detrimental the, 10 the weeks off my problem was is um i was at the time listening to a book called iron war i don't know if you've yeah. um no, i'm not familiar with that you have to listen to this and anyone listening if you especially if you're into triathlons or done a triathlon you did tell me about it i haven't listened to it yeah yeah you have to start it's basically <clears throat> the iron war was probably still is arguably however you want to come look at the greatest race ever run and it was the 1989 hawaiian triathlon um which for anyone who doesn't know is the world championships of ironman triathlon 3.8 kilometer swim 180k bike ride then in a marathon to finish up that and the best guys around the world do it in about eight to eight and a half hours depending on where it is in the world dave scott and mark allen were the two poster boys of this um kind of era um dave scott had won six um ironman mark allen had lost six ironman and he just, it was like, is he ever going to beat the juggernaut that is um, Dave? And so this 1989 is all about Mark Allen trying to get his first ever and beat Dave Scott and kind of the whole story that leads up to it. And anyway, at that time, Dave Scott was talking, he's the old school, comes from, I don't need a running coach. I don't need you to tell me to do a perfectly diagnosed program and periodization. Yep. Go out there, smash yourself to pieces refuel sleep and do it again the next day smash yourself to pieces and mark allen was the new breed coming through he was he meditated he stretched he you know organized his training into different phases and he was the new kind of breed kind of thing and so dave's you know you know a great ability and kind of just i can grip myself through anything he showed that this fancy new kids that's coming through they don't know what they're talking about so in my head i'm sitting there dave scott just says grind it out just get out there and get it done. And to, even though I was, I was kind of coming into kind of having um, pneumonia, I was yeah. running faster than I've ever run in my life. It was just switch that thing off in your head saying you're hurting. It just I'm kept tired. going. And it was the best running I've been. I'm kind of only now just getting back to that kind of peak performance. Um, now kind of coming back after it all and kind of running again. But um, it doesn't do well when I sit there and like, I say, like to you said, I said to clients, you know, it's not black and white. You don't have to be perfect. Just be consistent. Like turn it down. Turn, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here I am, kind of in my own head. But I'm training better than I ever had by going. Like, so I was, I was in a struggle world, kind of. What, what do I do here? <laughs> and that, like any trait, like you know, I thought you were going to say David Goggins' um, book can't hurt me when you mentioned the book. But I, I even thought of that when you were you were talking about just pushing through on, and just you know, just being ridiculous, really, and, and not like in like a nasty, you know, judging you sort of way. But that it's kind of crazy, and uh, <laughs> like you know interested and curious point of view but um i just think that any trait in its it's in its nth degree like you know you've got determination and, and hard work and, and you can you can reel off a few different traits but any trait depending on the situation can really be a, a massive negative or or a pro and um like a, a positive so uh, you know it, those traits are probably serving you highly serving you in, in other ways but it come to this situation and it was was blinding yeah. and um and sometimes you know as a clinician and so sometimes within your own life, it's it's hard to pull yourself back and, and see that and things see things that are, are stitching you up and, and are quite detrimental to whether it be relationship with yourself or loved ones or clients or work or, you know, stuff that are negative habits that we've all got that, that don't add up to our long-term goals or values. And um, 
you know, as a clinician or seeing it in your patients or clients, you can see that, but with yourself, you missed it. And, um, you know, and you can be, you can be blinded. And, and I think that's some, one part of the job, the job that I love is not counting those reps or coming up with a, another exercise program. It's, it's helping that client kind of achieve, you know, that goal or helping them pull themselves out so they can reevaluate and, and then progress to it. Yeah, that's a crazy example. And especially because <laughs> your expertise, it's, but it's normal. It's like, you're not perfect. No one is, you know, every, everything's going to look one way from the outside. And, and, um, you know, you've, you've, you know, do you land yourself in hospital? Um, I probably could have gone to hospital. <laughs> but it was probably unadvisable to go to hospital for anything. Well, that, other. That, that's yeah, the that's case. Absolutely. You. I mean, I, I yeah. didn't want to even get tested for COVID because at the time there were no GPs doing it. You had to go to the hospital. And I'm like, there's people who are sick there. I don't want to get, you know, you know if Especially. I am compromised at the moment, I don't want to be going and tested for this and potentially get exposed to this thing. And my lungs are already shot. And then I get this corona and like, we're now learning more and more that, this is a respiratory issue. And like, if you've got you know, respiratory issues to begin with, you're in some trouble kind of thing with this. So I was kind of, yeah, in my head, I'm like, I don't want to go near a doctor, but again, my client was lucky enough to get me into a GP, one of the only GPs in the area at the time that was doing testing. And so I was able to kind of be in complete lockdown with this guy and kind of, he was able to test me and it was fine. But, um, but yeah, it was only my wife that kind of pulled me up. I had clients tell me like, you sound really unwell. You shouldn't, ah, don't worry about it. I'm fine. You know, let's just talk about you, not talk about me. And oh. <laughs> Amy was just like, I really think you're unwell. You have to pull this up kind of thing. I'm like, uh, yeah. all right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you, like you're not a dickhead for for continuing running. Like you're using a skill set and like that you'd used in multiple areas of your life that have proven to be highly successful. And um, <laughs> like you know, you, you're not a bad person for doing it. It's just you know, everyone makes mistakes, and you strike it up and learn, and, and you move on. And you, you won't do that again. But like you know, at the time you were making the best decision that you had with the resources that you had, and although it was the wrong decision, it was the best decision at the time that, that you your body could come up with or that you could come in by by yourself. Valid point. I mean. I guess that's a good transition into kind of, I guess, talking about clients. And I guess we're talking from a clinical kind of point of view, but people listening into this podcast and now us having a chat here and kind of, okay, how does this relate to me? How often would you say you see exercise being a negative influence, like people having a negative relationship with it, as opposed to people need to do more, like stop kind of seeing exercise as this nasty thing that's kind of going to make you sore or kind of be put you in an uncomfortable like what's the kind of ratio of like yeah you have a negative relationship with exercise and we need to change that whether you do too much or whether you look at it in a negative point away as opposed to we really need to get you going i think this is a really healthy conversation because i don't really sometimes i don't really know where that 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 line is where it's like, okay, they've moved into an unhealthy relationship. Um, I, I see it a little bit. Moving away from a gym space has definitely helped that. I think that people come to us through um, kind of GP referrals or recommendation. And we've been able to have our own branding at our business where where it's it's more health orientated as opposed to aesthetics. And I think people can get caught up in that gym space. Um, so I see a little bit. Um, uh, but, but also, I also see it in a way that people people use exercise to manage certain things, but when it becomes their only way to manage, well, let's talk about something like an anxiety or a depression, where it becomes their only way to manage that, you know, that anxiety, and um, or it turns into a bit of an escape or that that hit chemically where they, they feel really really good after it, but it becomes their only way to achieve that. Um, that's when it can kind of creep over, and and it's it's like. I don't really know what the right analogy is, but it's it's like um, I guess if you if you're investing money and you had all your investments in in one certain thing and then that falls down, like your gym closes, that's that's when things can can really hit the wall and, and turn to the shit. Um, so yeah, I, I see it a little bit, not as not as much as as what you would think in terms of exercise obsession, and I think I saw more of it from working in a gym space, and and that that would come down to why is this person exercising, and 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 that person wanting to exercise to compare to others and, and looking at, at that aesthetic and, and that can really drive people into uh, an unhealthy relationship with exercise and food. Have you ever heard of or read the book um, Lost Connections by Johan Hari? No. It's another You're one. Well man. Yeah, um, I love I'm, it. I'm audio book um, a lot. I, I, I still to this day, it's, it's funny that I, re I wrote a book and yet I've still never read a book. Like, I hand on my heart. I've never read a book in my life. Audible is the king. Um, and so audio books were the, the God save for me because I want to read, but I just, 
I just find reading because I know this this sounds ridiculous, but because I talk so much in my life, I hate the sound of my voice at the end of the day. And sometimes Amy will say, "Hey, how was your day?" I was like, "I just don't want to talk anymore." Just be, not because I don't want to talk to you or talk to someone to kind of have a conversation. I just don't want to hear my voice anymore. And when I read, I read in my own voice. I can't yep. read in the kind of author's voice or whoever it might be. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. hearing my voice over and over and over, and I just like, no, I'm tired of that. And so, audio books, obviously whether it's the author narrating it or a ghostwriter narrating it, whatever it might be, I get to hear someone else's voice. And so one, that's one of the key reasons why I love audiobooks. But for two, it's just much more time efficient for me anyway, because I can do a workout while listening to it. I can be in the car listening to it. I can be walking the dog and listening to it. So rather than have to sit there and read a book. So a couple of reasons there, but um, Johan Hari has a book called Lost Connections. And I'm getting more and more fascinated by the human psychology of, um, of choice and in particular kind of choice for change in kind of can that choice bring about a change that's going to be positive to your life or a negative and right down to the why did you pick that jumper to wear today right up to is your partner and the relationship you're in actually a negative like should, do we need to make a change there and choices around that kind of like big to kind of just mundane why have you got a blue pen not a black pen today kind of, you know, kind of thing um and Johan um, talks about in his book about lost connections in that kind of that connectivity of, that people have with their tribe or their, you know, their kind of people that they're around is very important um, to kind of helping with the, the whole books about kind of um, his idea of where depression comes from and a kind of um, surprising way of maybe helping people overcome depression and anxiety aside from just chemical, you know, taking drugs and things like that that have been prescribed um, by a doctor, but doing it, I kind of hate the word, but holistic kind of um, viewpoint. But to, he also talks to that point and why I'm kind of coming around to what you were saying is that people find tribes no matter where they are, whether that's in the gym, you know, their, their gym buddies that they go to um, have or wherever that might be. Um, and that place can be a negative point of, um, point of view and it can be a, a positive point of view. And coming from a gym setting, that's where my business is set up. I mostly see it only as a positive. Now, the gym we're at is quite a positive type gym. It's not, for lack of a better word, a typical bro gym where it's just kind of all aesthetics and it's only filled with beautiful women, beautiful men that are just jacked, very, you know, you know it's more of a kind yep. of community kind of based gym. There's a couple of people there that, you know, kind of that orientated, but they're very much on the minority. And so even though we are a community gym where I run my business or did run my business, um, it, it, it had, I think, a really good kind of tribal thing. And everyone that was in there kind of, you know, supported each other. It was very, you know, community driven. I think I've only ever seen it really as a positive um, point of view. I can't say for me, I've ever seen a client that's come as like, you know what? we have to dial down your exercise because you've got a really <laughs> um, bad kind of place um, that you're kind of at with that. That you know, if this falls apart, as you said, if the gym closes tomorrow, what are you going to do? Are you going to just fall, fall to pieces kind of thing? So I think to your point where you're saying you've now left that scene that you don't really see much, I'm the same. Probably not like exercise obsession where they're exercising too much. And I've, I've seen the dog Kleiner and, and experienced that, but more where someone has the, I guess it, this is, this is why I'm exercising and it's, to look a certain way or to compare to others or thinking that a certain look will bring a certain amount of happiness. And then, um, and then potentially they, they want that, that look or, or that aesthetic, but there, there's no, there's no way that they're, they're life, they're, they're willing to do that lifestyle like that. That lifestyle to achieve that look is, does not align with any of their other values. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that can be really incongruent and, and, and cause a lot of issues. Um, so that, that's probably more the type of client that you'd see and, and drilling down as to like, what, why do you, why do you want to lose weight for, or, you know, what's important to you and, and, um, you know, why do you want to exercise for just, just some of those real fundamental questions and, and understanding someone's why, um, yeah, you'll, you'll start to see, you know, where they're at. And I guess to give people get a bit more of an understanding of kind of what an exercise physiologist really is. And I know it's what we kind of get asked all the time, but you're kind of elevator pitch just to kind of give an understanding of like, okay, we're talking about clients that we would see and things like that, but who is kind of seeing you? And when someone comes in and go, what's the difference between seeing you and a personal trainer? Or what, why, why, how are you different to a physio? Or, you know, whatever it might be just for the listeners kind of in, just to kind of give a really rounded capped kind of version of it. What's an exercise physiologist? And then 
what's what do you tend to see coming into your um, clinic more often than not? And I know we're obviously quite multidisciplinary, and I know you've got other professions there, but for you personally, what do you tend to see more of? Yeah, I, I sometimes forget that we're on a podcast, Adam, and there's other people going to be listening to this. So it's more <laughs> of a conversation. Um, elevator pitch. I would say an ex is is is. Um, someone who prescribes exercise for someone who's got a chronic condition, a chronic disease or an injury, where the, where the new kid on the block in terms of allied health in Australia goes, and um, we're just not the household name like, like a physio or chiro or an osteopath is. Um, and yeah, we, we give exercise for, for someone who's got anywhere from the airway to cancer to depression, um, heart attack or a stroke, and, and um, recognised by governing bodies. And then I'd, when I'd say any examples to a client or a new patient, I would, I would normally hit, hit on a few points on, you know, what those conditions might be, whether it's osteoporosis or, um, you know, what that person's, person's coming in for. So that, that's how I would give that, that, that spiel. And what, what do I normally see? Being rural, a really wide base, um, really wide range of clients from um, a few vets, uh, mental health issues. Um, I did have a, a prostate cancer group going, get a lot of referrals for weight loss from GPs. Um, chronic pain comes up a bit, a few work safe TSC clients. And um, yeah, any, any, any of those other conditions that are mentioned, but that, that's a bit of a, a spiel on, on the types of clients I see. And for you personally, what's, what's kind of your, your, your real, you know, grit my teeth kind of passion? Where do you kind of really dig in? Like, if you see that client come in like, oh yes, let me get stuck into this. Like, do you have a particular kind of client realm that you kind of really enjoy? I really enjoy, um, I enjoy understanding what change, what, if, if we can get, if we can get change in this person's life, what will access, what will it access for them? And, um, and I'll give you an example. We had a, a prostate cancer patient and he made, he made, you know, and he's, he's been referred for better outcomes with his treatments, better outcomes with staying alive. And, um, and, you know, improving some muscle mass um, where, where he's, hormone replacement therapy was going to really, really take away from him. And he goes, I really want to fix my shoulder. And um, he goes, and I said, well, you know, what would, what would that mean for your life? And he said, well, my wife's just passed away and my dog died as well. And if I, if I could um, fix my shoulder, I could get a new dog. And um, it almost been a bit emotional thinking about it, but it's like, if I didn't ask that sec, like if I had said, well, you're here for your prostate cancer, let's get down and to resistance training and, and what that's going to do for your bone mineral density and, and your bone strength, because that's what's going to be attacked and, Blah blah blah, um, or even that second leg question, like what would your what would a better shoulder mean for you? And, and all of a sudden you've got that importance. So you can say, what do I lick my lips at? It's a matter of getting change, positive change that's meaningful to someone's life. And like in terms of you do an exercise science degree and then you do your ex phys um, to to work with the clinical populations. And I see that shoulder patient better to work with or more rewarding to work with than you know improving someone's three k time trial or losing three kilograms of fat, like that just does not motivate me anymore. So it's like, well, what, you know, what, what will, what will a, a positive change in this life? And the, the more we can kind of unlock and open up, that's what gets, that's what gets me excited. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously uh, it's, what you... it's a bit fluffy. It, it talks around your question, but <laughs> just <laughs> exercise can do a lot. It can, it can do a lot, but until it's really important until you've got someone that can guide you and you know, what I would hate for it to happen and, and what really, um, makes me passionate about the fitness industry and still to see clients and patients is that that person go to a gym and they just get lost in the system. They go once or twice to have no idea about the program. The person doesn't know their name or, you know, maybe they go to another health professional and they're not listened to. And I'm sure I've butchered lots of patients and clients like that myself. I'm not perfect, but um, yeah, that, that gives me like massive purpose and that fills my cup up massively. I th I'm really glad you kind of went to the next layer of how you then clarified um, a lot of that because I think a lot of people can kind of just get scared of in quote the system, as you said, it is like most people think of exercise as the gym, beautiful people, aesthetics, and someone who has just had open heart surgery, just had a knee replacement, just is 200 kilos and not just kind of, I want to get a booty shot for my barley trip that's coming, you know, kind of thing like genuinely unhealthy, un, you know, kind of just unmotivated kind of mindset of where like I just can't, even fathom walking into that gym to your point in what you're just saying there that's where i am the same i just like that person who is sitting at home terrified to kind of walk into a clinical setting or a gym setting i want to show you just how much exercise can benefit your life 
and let's stop worrying about kind of that fear factor and how can I kind of facilitate you to kind of start exercising in a meaningful way. Whereas you said, we're going to ask you questions that are going to open up different thought patterns that you've never even really thought about. It's not about kind of being beautiful and being strong or as you said, a three K time trial kind of thing. It's like, you know, let's really kind of layer this out to kind of make it meaningful for you and kind of what your outcomes really would kind of change your life for. It, sometimes it doesn't take much, like it doesn't take much exercise and, and what people's expectations are for, you know, for that guy's shoulder or exercise mental health is not, he got a dog, by the way, I feel a bit egotistical saying, but if you want a nice, a nice finish to the story, you got his dog. Awesome. Um, but like, yeah, those, what, what people expect for their exercise to actually be beneficial to their health is, is often not what's in their, um, sorry. Yeah. Their expectations and realities don't align. They don't often have to do anywhere near as much or anywhere near as vigorous or intense as, or as frequent. And um, they don't have to do things that, hey, we, you know, we, we're normally pretty good. Or not, you know, if we're not good at finding things that they're going to enjoy, we're not really doing our job right. So um, I, I always say that, you know, some, I, you know, someone comes to me and says, Adam, look, my, my GP has told me I need to come to you. I don't really want to be here. I hate exercise. I don't want to do it. And I always sit there and go, look, you don't have to love what you're doing, but I can guarantee you there's a scale. But there's you know, let's say F45 or CrossFit style high intensity training, you probably really hate that. Let's say that's probably what you hate. But do you really hate it as much like tennis as much as that? Or do you hate just simple body weight exercises at home as much as that? And like, let's, to your point, what we were saying before, a dimmer switch, your on switch is CrossFit high intensity interval training. What's the dimmer? How can we kind of just start dialing it down? Where are we starting? Absolutely. Like, you know, where, where is that start point? Absolutely. And like, I just, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to get across into here is that if people are kind of listening in and they're kind of like, Oh, I, I hear them. I don't know if I can really kind of bring myself to just try and find something that you dislike a little less than what you really dislike is <laughs> kind of the best place I kind of normally come from because depending on kind of who they are, they could be coming from a place where they've never exercised. And I've met plenty of clients who have literally, which baffles me sometimes, like, how have you never exercised? But I see it all the time. And so to tell that person, well, just start exercising. Well, maybe that's not where their mindset, I, I, I can't fathom exercising. Well, it's kind of fine, as you said, where that start point is. And maybe that's walking to the letterbox today. Cool. Let's just walk to the letterbox and go back inside. Two minutes. What's that? But that letterbox walk, then in two weeks time might be out and around the block. And then in four months time, they've been out to walk to the gym and oh, I'll, I'll think about going inside next month. Like where's that progression kind of lead to? Absolutely. And, and two things that really spring to mind is if someone's coming to see you and this is probably speaking, speaking to your audience in a different way, but I'll speak to speak to you first. But if someone's coming to see you as a clinician, like there's, it's really important, especially if they haven't never exercised. Like if they walk into your office, there's a lot of resistance. There's, a lot of barriers they don't know you they have to pay money it's time out of their day it's freaking important to them and if you brush off or miss up miss opportunity that might be another five or six years until they reach out or maybe never again and so it's your job is to really to really bring that to the surface for the true reason they're there and then find a solution that actually helps them and um yeah, so, so speaking to your audience, if you're seeing a health pr- pr- practitioner or health professional or anyone that's in your team and you're not feeling heard, um, like you, you need to find someone new. You need to find someone who's who does understand your why, who does understand why you're there and, and doesn't give you something that's cookie cutter that doesn't fit into your life. Um, as often, people have tried and tried and tried exercise and failed, but it's not necessarily them that's failed. It's the plan that's failed them. And, um, and, and that's what the job's about. And, and it's ridiculous. Like you go to uni for five and a half years, the person comes in, you ask them what they want to do. And then you give the, you, okay, I'll do that. And that's, that's what I give them. And, um, and, and quite often it's, it doesn't have to be sexy or appealing or um, yeah. And I, I just reckon that's hilarious at times as well. And, and that's more, more what programming is becoming. I think that, that's um, what's going to work. Yeah, too true. And I think a big one that I've always said to clients is that if someone or people who ask me, uh, where do I start? Where do I even look for, like a good trainer, like you're not nearby to me, Adam, like I live in Idaho, America. Like, do you know someone in Idaho, America? If not, like, where do I even kind of start? I sit there and like, use it as a job interview. Like it's your money. Like you, you get to decide if this person is who you get to work with. So um, another big one is like, if they're prescribing something that they would do for them, then clearly they're not hearing you and kind of what's good for you. And so 
move on. Like it's a difficult thing to say to someone though. And I, I get it. Like when people get stuck in a rut with someone, they're just like, well, but I pay them. I've kind of, I've kind of become friends with them now. Oh, like, no. You, you so, just got it. <laughs> yeah. My go-to saying is screen for appropriateness. This is with all new clients and also existing clients. And, and it's, it's, I guess it's nice for me to say, cause I don't need the clientele per, like at all. Like it's, you know, my appointment screens healthy and, and, um, you know, but I'm saying making sure you're coming in for the right reasons because you want to be here. And then for those new clients, screen for appropriateness. And this is more, to, more a message to your audience. It's like, is this, is this, sorry, is this health professional got my best interests at heart? Do I click and like them? And then is this plan going to work? Because I can drop a few F-bombs and get along really well with the client. But if we don't find a plan that works for them in solving their back pain or their knee pain or their osteoporosis, I could be a great bloke, but a shit clinician and don't come back. Like, don't come back and see me. And, and that, because that's really bad for my business anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah, I went to see Josh eight times. My back's still knackered. Yeah, yeah, no, he's a great guy. Yeah, my back's still, <laughs> still knackered though. And um, yeah, that's, that's what I regularly say to new clients. It's like, find, find someone that, and, and screen for appropriateness. Job interview. I like that. I'm going to steal that. It's a it's, um, good point you bring up is another one that my, I had a business mentor early on in my days and uh, he was a client of mine and I'm um, still a very close friend of mine. But he always said that um, think about what that person would say about you at a dinner table unprompted. Like they're just completely random conversation. They've got Arnie Joan over and they're having a you know, full, full family dinner and Arnie Joan asks, Hey Adam, didn't you, didn't you have a bad back a little while ago? How's that going? Like it's just a completely random con- what would that client say from you? And to your point, it's good for business if you're getting an outcome. Not not only is it good for business, but it's really good for that client as well in that they've had an outcome from it. And if they're not talking well of you and that they can't represent you as a great clinician or practitioner, then clearly they're not right for you. And so move on yep. and find someone else that can, that you will have a conversation at a dinner table to say, my back's never been better or my shoulder's never been better or whatever it might be that you kind of gone to see that person for. And what I say to clients is your life's too important for me to, to really fuck it up. Excuse the language, but like, Bring it. <laughs> it's like, don't like your life. This, this problem is really important. It's like, if I can't help you, let's find someone who can. Like, it's really important that you can pick your grandkids up. It's really important. You've got longevity. It's really important. That your knee doesn't hurt after walking 50 meters. So like, that's important to you. You've come for that reason. Let's, let's get that solved. And if it's not with me, I'm cool with that. And you know, I'm not going to help everybody. Um, you know, and p- people might think I'm a flog and that's okay. But it's just like, let's find people that you do resonate with that can, can help, help your problem. Let me, answer, let me ask you this. If you really dislike the person, but they give you incredible results because they are very good at what they do and they seem to just, do you stay with that person? Or I'm a sucker, on? man. I like to go to a better customer service and, and a worse product because I like to feel good where I spend my money. So <laughs> um, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for for connection um maybe it's uh, extroverted in me i'm not too sure yeah good point good point um i think that kind of leads us into kind of where i want to kind of i guess wrap this um up in that i give you know we obviously had a great conversation i think we've had you know really hit on some good points that i think some people can find value from but i always like trying to give something that people can okay that's what i'm going to take away and use practically kind of thing man yep kind of just giving Let's, we'll kind of go real cliche. Your top three tips, you know, top three tips of someone if they're listening in now, um, wanting to start exercise, not too sure what's right for them, how to go about it, kind of where to look, where to start. They're just a general pop. Like if you've got knee reconstruction or you're probably coming from a referral base anyway, like the, the surgeon's probably going to tell you, go and see this person. But if, if you're completely lost, don't know where to start, what's the kind of top three tips of kind of, getting started and making sure that you're taken care of with your kind of program moving forward. The first one is before you even jump into that planning phase, make sure it's really important to, and um, get crystal clear on why, why you actually want to exercise and making sure it's a reason for you and it's going to be beneficial to your life. And because if you, if you stuff that one up and you're exercising for someone else and um, you know, it could be an aesthetic goal that we mentioned earlier, but if it's not something that, that is intrinsically important to you, I, I think you're going to fail because it, it's, it's going to, it's going to be a shitty, it's going to be hard and shitty. Like it's not going to be this linear, perfect, um, you know, progress through, through a nine to 12 month month period. So that first one is make, you know, get that, um, making sure it's, it is truly important to you. And it's something that aligns with your values that you actually want to do that you care about a lot. Um, 
I mean, I've got heaps here. They're just all popping up, popping out. But uh, hey, Bram, that's all good. start all small. Good. Number two, start small. Start with what you can do. I mean, you, like you're the expert of your life. You know where you can and can't fit this in. And, but, you know, be realistic with that. Don't set yourself up for failure because you've got a, an unrealistic expectation. So don't do someone else's plan. Do your plan that suits you and your life intimately. And um, start small. Set, set your, your markers small and then slowly progress and slowly move up. Um, and that, that kind of feeds into that, you know, that, that progress over perfection. And it's not going to be this really smooth sailing. So whilst that importance is high and you've, you've made a change, and you've got accountability and, and everything's going great, you're, you're probably flying that first week or two. But inevitably something's going to pop up, whether it's a sick kid, a dog, more workload, just can't be bothered. Um, so when you, when you do fall off and you do take a step back is just be compassionate and curious to yourself and almost expect it. And if you got halfway up a hill and you took one step down, it doesn't mean you have to come back down to the bottom. It's like take a couple of steps down, set up camp, you know, you know move around that hill. If uh, the hill is progression and getting to the top is your goal. And then like when you're ready to, to lick your wounds and go up again, you know, continue. But um, just expect yourself to fail and and miss a few days. And, and, um, and it comes back to that planning and making sure your plan's right. But when you do fail, just be curious. Okay, what actually happened there? You know, be kind to yourself. You know, back to what would you tell one of your kids if they're in a, a different situation? Um, yeah, th those three things jump out among many others. Really good way to wrap it up, man. And again, I really appreciate um, your time. And as it's been a while since uh, we've chatted and um, kind of been like this, so it's been good to have some uh, contact again and kind of see how you've been and what's been going on. And I hope uh, people have uh, enjoyed our conversation. Much of a much just it has been just a conversation, but I think we've talked about some cool things that uh, I think people can definitely find some value from. Yeah. I just, um, I hate being giving boring presentations. So I hope there was some value in there. And that's, I guess one of my, uh, my fears is, is a boring public talk. So hopefully <laughs> there's some value. And, and I'm, I think you'd be the best judge of that knowing your, uh, your following base and your listeners, my man. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I always say this, the reason I started this podcast was two reasons. One, if I was just to ask some random person, Hey, can I chat to you for an hour? It's probably unlikely they're going to like, yeah, I'll give you an hour of my time. No worries. So I started a podcast to say, Hey, do you mind having a chat with me on my podcast? So there's kind of a, a give and take kind of to that relationship of having a chat, but more so the reason why I started a podcast was just one to chat to interesting people. Like for me, if I found it interesting, I'm, an average kind of guy. So I'm presuming I'm like the average human being out there that if I found it interesting, then there's going to be some other people that are finding it interesting. And I've been lucky enough to speak to some really interesting people over the time. And I probably wouldn't have had a chance to chat to them, learn from them. I always come away from a podcast myself, learning something or taking you know a little nugget away from it. And that's all I ever hope for um, of the audience listening in that if it's one little nugget that then gets you one step closer to your goal, that then leads you to, either another podcast that we might've talked about or a book that we verbalize or something. And that's the next step. And then that's the next, and like whatever that journey might be that, you know, this is a journey for life. It's not just the next 10 week program or whatever it might be that it's just constantly learning, constantly finding something else to kind of gravitate towards. Does that sing to you better? Does that move you forward? Does that take you backwards? Whatever it might be. And yeah, expect to fail. I think that's a really good um, point you kind of bring up that no one, you know, not even the most successful human being on this planet has not had a fail. And I think the best thing that came out, I don't know if you've seen, I think you have, um, the Michael Jordan. Um, oh, I loved it. That was amazing. That guy <laughs> oh, it's just, just intense. I didn't even know how I feel about it. It was so intense. It was so full on. That guy is a complete failure. Like, but because he has failed so many times, he is, this is how I kind of saw it in that you say, and you hear it from, you know, the LeBron James and things like that. And basketball is an easy one to do because they take a thousand, you know, 10,000 shots that they miss to be able to be able to hit that jump shot time and time and time again when they actually get to their career. And so the kind of the analogy is that, you know, learn to fail. It's part of the process that it will, it's the only way I think that we learn. Like, yeah, we learn from kind of um, success, but we learn so much more from failure, I feel. Um, and I think, yeah, that's a really good point to kind of bring up. Yeah. Just lastly, I think we, we, um, we, we, we phrase it in kids and try and reframe it in kids and encourage it in kids. It's like failing to, a great thing and it, and it is and I 100% agree but I think we suck at it in um, applying it to ourselves it's like you know we, we get down on ourselves that negative self-talk and, and we just put ourselves to the absolute sword and um, yeah couldn't agree more I think I think you know that uh, that's a good way to probably finish it well I always have my guests though go through my quick fire five to whip, um, whip up our um, podcast so if you don't mind me kind of indulging me in my quick fire five sure man 
Perfect. So first thing that kind of pops to mind or the answer to the kind of question, um, number one, beach or snow? Beach. Quick, uh, quick. Perfect. <laughs> um, number two, if you could see one event in the future or the past, which one would you go to and what would be the event? I'd say just because we're talking about it, it's front of mind, Jordan, in the shot. That'd be, uh, that'd be amazing. That would Game have been six. an incredible event. Um, one food for the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about nutritional value or calories or anything like that. It gives you everything you need. What's the one food? I really do, but I'll go with pizza. Yeah, You've got so many options with, with flavor. Yeah. <laughs> um, family, friend, famous, dead or alive, who would you like to have dinner with tonight? My kids pop into my man. Like I miss a few dinners throughout the week and it's something I've been big on, but that's the first thing that pops in mind. Good answer. Um, everyone says they go and see their family. You've done that. I want you to now go rogue and go completely selfish. You've got 24 hours left on this planet. What do you do for yourself for those last 24 hours? Back to um, back to your previous question. I reckon Joe Rogan would be pretty cool to have dinner with. Yeah, he's, he pops up. But 24 hours to myself, I'd take a ride up a big hill, I reckon. I'd take a, a pretty mammoth ride. Which, for, which hill would it be? Oh, I don't know. You could you plump me somewhere in Europe would be nice. I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not too savvy of, uh, of any place. If you chuck me in Italy or France on a... On a big famous, yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, no, yeah, that'd be, I'd I'd have a ride in there for sure. I just feel free and and fresh and, and, uh, in my element down on a bike in the middle of nowhere. Sounds good to me, mate. Well, um, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, guys, if you want to kind of reach out to Josh, um, I'll put all of his show notes, um, all of his details in the show notes below. Um, as always give us a five-star rating. Give us a little uh, comment to kind of tell us how much you love because it does help me spread this podcast out and far and wide. And of course, screenshot us and tag us in the podcast um, so we can see us on your Instagram and share us your love. But um, guys, that's been another episode of the podcast. Josh, you're amazing. I really appreciate your time, mate. And um, I'll chat to you again real soon. And thanks to you all. Bye.